All right, you've tuned back in to the Free Range Human Show of Choice, your daily dose of reality radio. This is the Clay Edwards Show, live here on 103.9 FM, WYAB. As always, we're streaming worldwide at WYAB.com. And of course, if you miss any of today's show, the podcast will be available usually by 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. As soon as I get done, I load it up, I try to clip it up, and I'll have this upcoming interview here with Steve Robertson as a standalone podcast as well so you don't have to listen to all my ranting and raving from the first hour if you just want to listen to steve this segment real quick before we get to steve is brought to you by reliable rental equipment right here in jackson mississippi look i was just telling kim wade the other day he was talking about what a nice facility they had and like it really says a lot when you decide to reinvest into your city despite some of the hardships around it these are the folks that we need to support uh, when the people who have gone into Jackson, when other folks were fleeing, they ran too. And they invested back into Jackson. And it's very commendable. But aside from that, they got great prices and great and great options. Whether you need to rent skid steers, mini skid steers, mini excavators, excavators, outdoor lighting. You know, it's getting dark early. You got to finish a project. You got a deadline. They have the Taylor lighting solutions, got uh, diesel powered outdoor lights. They got generators dumpsters, lifts, tractors, tractor attachments. They got a rollback dumpster special going right now. I believe I saw that on my Facebook page. Uh, Check with them to confirm at ReliableRentalEquipmentMS.com. Check out those air tow trailers. They are awesome. You, If you guys that do a lot of work for a living, a lot of hard work for a living, you got heavy equipment that uh, requires a very low trailer to get up on, this thing drops to the ground. You drive up on or push your stuff up on. And then you raise it up, almost like a flatbed, except it doesn't have an angle. It goes flat down. Really cool technology. They're the exclusive dealer in the southeast for air tow trailers. They also take care of trees. They do tree services. They can cut them down and haul them off. On the dumpster rental, if you don't have a crew to help fill up that dumpster, to clean up that lot or whatever you're doing, they can supply the crew as well. Heavy equipment. You don't know how to operate a bulldozer, but you need one. They have operators available, too, at daily rates. Check them out online. Tell Brad Patridge I sent you. ReliableRentalEquipmentMS.com, located right there on Meadowbrook Road in Jackson, Mississippi. All right, man, I'm really excited about this. I've got Steve Robertson on the phone. Steve, how are you doing this morning, brother? Oh, I'm doing great, man. I've been up since the crack of dawn and uh, working on some content. And You know, it's the thing that I've learned about life is uh, the busier I am, the happier I am. You know what I mean? It's like when you just sit around all day wondering what's on Netflix, you know, it's like life every day kind of becomes the same, you know? So I'm always working on something, got some uh, big interviews tomorrow for the next book. I've already got this. Of course, when we're talking about today, this has only been out a couple of weeks and uh, I'm already doing research for the next book and we'll write that and have it out next year for the holiday season. Yeah. So Steve just wrote a book called when the bottom falls and if you want to purchase that book or any of his other previous books check out when the bottom falls.com i discovered steve through uh my my love for mississippi state sports steve is a 247 writer there and uh, obviously follows mississippi state as good or better than anybody in the state or the country for that matter and but he also writes great books and me and steve hooked up and became buddies kind of through our love for 80s hair metal 90s motor just rock music in general and uh so that's kind of how we sowed our friendship. And Steve just wrote a great book. Y'all know uh, addiction is something that we talk about a lot on this show. Steve, I even started a for a while. I did a Tuesday here, and it was called Testimonial Tuesdays, where 
every time somebody would come in, they'd give their testimony on the radio every Tuesday. And um, as, as things kind of start to feel forced, I, I, I pull the reins back a little bit, but we've had some local guys here kind of pick that pick that gauntlet up, or, I mean, take that take that baton and continue to run with it. And they've started some uh, testimony and recovery podcast, which I'm very, very excited about. But um, so anyway, when I started your book, it really hit home with me. You know, I battled addiction and stuff for a large part of my 20s and 30s. And I, and I know you did younger in life. What motivated you to write the book? Well, mainly to give people some experience, strength, and hope. You know, there are, you know, it's so interesting how life works. I mean, the thing about recovery is, is, you know, when I first walked into the rooms, you know, the 12-step meetings and things like that, uh, there, there weren't a lot of people that um, were as transparent about it. And uh, there are a lot of people out there that say, oh, you know, we, we shouldn't talk about these things. I, I completely disagree. I think we have to give people some hope. And uh, I, I was a hopeless drug addict, man. And that's the thing that I don't think a lot of people fully appreciate is if you know what I do now professionally and how hard I work and the time and effort I put in, I used to put in that same energy into my own self-destruction. And, uh, you know, thankful for the fine people in recovery that kind of helped me learn some coping skills and kind of changed my thinking a little bit. And so uh, I'm just kind of stubborn in the right way. You know, when I make up my mind, I'm going to do something, I do it. And uh, I don't let anybody talk me out of it. And I think I've proven that, but uh, I was a very self-destructive person. And um, I really, when it came to life, I raced to get out. There was so much of that. I didn't find joy in life. And, and that's where recovery has changed me. I mean, you know, now I'm a you know, father of, uh, you know, four amazing kids that are very high achievers. I, I call them kids. They're all young adults now, but uh, i got a couple of grandkids now. And that's one thing that I talked about in the book. There was a time in my life I didn't feel lovable at all. And look at all these people that God gave me to love, and they all love me back, you know. And that's the thing about recovery is if we just do the right thing today and we start stacking those days up, you'll be amazed at how your life will change if you're pursuing the right things in life and rather than things that are, that are self-destructive. Yeah. You know, Steve, one of the things I learned and, you know, I, I still drink, so I'm a very transparent about that. So I, I definitely never, never want to come across like a hypocrite, but one of the things I learned when I've gone through, you know, stone cold, sober stretches and I see, and I see other people battle this too. They get, they get so hung up in and look for good. If you're going to have a streak, you're on a burner. It's a good thing to get hung up and saying, I'm a hundred days sober. I'm 200 days sober. But I see where so many people can they'll fall off the wagon one night, and because their sobriety streak is has ended, they're just like, "Well, I might as well just stay in the bottom of this bottle." And I just preach to as many people who will listen. No, man, that's just that's just one bad day. Knock knock the dust off and just keep pushing forward. Start a new streak today. Yeah, when I when I go to meetings, and uh, I always try to be the volunteer to hand out chips, and uh, one of the reasons that I do that is because I always want to tell them this, is that don't ever be too proud to come back and start again. Don't ever think, okay, well, okay, I was sober for 90 days, and I blew it, and I'm ashamed. Okay, well, that that's your negative thinking talking. That's not your new life talking. That's not your higher power talking. That's not the people that love you talking. That's that little voice in your head that's led you astray in the first place. And I always tell people, we're not going to judge you. We understand that relapse is part of the journey for a lot of people. And But what happens is ego gets involved, and it's like, I was like this early in recovery, too. It's like, I, I joke with people. I, I said, I think I stayed sober the first two years out of spite, you know, just because I didn't want people to be right about me. There were so many people that were like, 
oh, he's never going to make it. He's never going to do it. And there'd be people in the rooms, I would say, well, I know what, it became a contest for me. I said, there's no way I'm going to relapse before that guy does, you know. And thankfully, relapse hadn't been a part of my journey. I got clean and sober December 10th, 1991. So if I can can make it six more days, it'll be 32 straight years, man, of no drugs or alcohol. And and I'm the exception rather than the rule. But I I don't say those things or share those things to give myself any sense of uh, pride or anything. And while I'm proud of my part in all of this, I was afforded a second chance at life. And I took advantage of that. Uh, I, I had a guy I heard in a meeting one day said, uh, I made the comment, I said, you know, the graveyard's uh, filled with people that didn't get a second chance. And this guy corrected me, and he said, well, it's half filled with people that didn't get a second chance. The other half is filled with those who got a second chance and didn't take it. And that has always resonated with me. And uh, I, I can just tell you, I'm living proof that if you suit up, show up, and try to do the right things today, and that's your focus, right? And the, the moment, that moment of trepidation and anxiety and craving and these feelings of, uh, of impending doom can be self-fulfilled. But they also, that moment will pass if we let it. That's the most important thing in all of this. It's like when you're in the throw of it and you're in, you think, I just got to go get higher. I got to go get loaded. If you just give yourself a little time, you know, that that moment will pass. And, you know, even all these years being clean and sober, I mean, this time last year, I was in a really bad place. And there was a day, man, I really considered going back out. I did. And uh, you would think, man, that, that should never be a part of your life. But it is. It's kind of who we are and what we deal with. And and so I immediately went to work on my program, right? I went, I, I reached out to three of my best friends in recovery and said, I am in a bad place. And here's what's going on with me. And check in with me. And here's my plan for the day. If you hadn't heard from me in a couple hours, I want you to call me back. And again, the moment passed. I was able to get back into bed without drinking and using it. And that's when I kind of said, you know what? This is the program working. This is, you know, laying the foundation for when that the day comes when there's no mental, mental defense against that first drink or drug. When you don't have the mental fortitude to push through, that's when you got to rely on other people. And I, I'm, I'm a very proud person. Like, if, if I ever ask somebody for help, I, I'm at the I'm at the bottom rung of a ladder, man. I mean, I'm just I'm just not that kind of person. I, I'm just I feel like I can push through anything. But when when you get to that point, when you don't feel like it's you have the strength on your own, you've got to rely on other people, and that's a big part of what the book is about. Hey, man, look, Steve. I, you know, I've been following you for years now, and you put this on Facebook, so I'm guessing it's public information. I noticed something, and of course, it's like hindsight's twenty twenty always. I noticed that you were flying out and spending more time with your wife while she was working. You were going out of town and stuff. And I said, man, I, I feel like Steve's doing that because he needs to be around people he loves. There's something kind of like maybe maybe there's something going on. But I know you were I think you flew out to Arizona and you flew out to some other places. And uh, you, you were spending a lot of time with your wife while she was on the road. So, I mean, being around well, people you love and stuff has got to be very important to stay to getting out of that depression. Yeah, absolutely. And that, that was a big part of it all. I mean, she was travel nursing for a while and we first started doing it. We're like, well, you know, we'll do this for a while and try it out. So she would do a contract. She went to Virginia. Then the next one was in Memphis. And so it was only, you know, we were going new places, but, uh, you know, I had work to do too. You know, we were, we were booking rock Vegas and we had all these other things going on. I got a website to run. I got teams to cover. And then I woke up like last November and I was like, what happened to my life? This is what have I signed on for? How did my wife get to be in Albuquerque, New Mexico? You know, why did I ever agree to do that? Right. And then we even re-upped the contract out there and I just woke up and I wasn't happy. 
you know, and I said, I'm, I'm just not happy with the, the shape of my life right now. And, uh, and that's what I think that the gift of recovery gives you. It gives you the ability to change your life in a very positive way. And I actually drove to New Mexico. I didn't fly. I that's drove. Right. That's right. I remember and, uh, that. You, you, and you those hours it. out on the road, man, sometimes just you and some good tunes and, you know, you can put the phone on, do not disturb, and you'll have to talk to anybody. And sometimes just having some time to yourself is a good thing. Now, I'm, I'm always a big proponent to, you know, an addict alone is in bad company. But but I remember the day, well, I'm watching the Egg Bowl last year, and uh, I was supposed to leave on Saturday and drive to Oklahoma City and spend a night, finish up a drive on Sunday. And I was so miserable watching that ball game, even though State won, that she wasn't there with me. And uh, my son looked at me all of a sudden, and he goes, I'm not going to see you tomorrow, am I? I said, no, you're not. And I drove all 17 and a half hours on that Friday to go be with her, even though she had to work that night. And one of her work friends, really more of an acquaintance, said, oh, it's just so romantic he would drive all that way. I wish some guy would drive 17 hours for me. And as I've shared many times, I would have driven to Alaska and boarded a ferry to Russia and hiked the mountain if that's where she was. Because I was not where I needed to be from a mental standpoint and a spiritual standpoint. And that's what I think recovery teaches us and life teaches us, is that we need other people. No, no man is an island, as, as Henry David Thoreau wrote many years ago. But when you try to do it alone, you're going to fail. I'm yeah. just telling you. I, I've, I've 32 years of experience under my belt. When you don't rely on the people that you love and you're not open and transparent with them, you're going to fail. 100% of the time. Steve, let's pause there. Let's take a break real quick. When we get back, I would like to get into kind of what your personal rock bottom was when you decided that I got to get, I got to, I got to change what I'm doing. Uh, so we'll be right back. I'm going to ask Steve that question. This is the Clay Edwards show on WYAB. To the Clay Edwards show real quick. The segment brought to you by Pure Air Consultants. Pure Consultants is celebrating their 20th anniversary of delivering exceptional heating and cooling systems to central Mississippi, and they want to offer you a rare free gift, free a free labor warranty for five years. That's right, a free labor warranty for five years. Are you tired of expensive heating, furnace repairs, or high utility bills? Specialties at Pure Air Consultants include heater installation, furnace installation, heater repair, furnace repair, heating maintenance, heat pumps, heat recovery ventilator installation, new construction build, thermostat installation, and more. Financing is available. Contact them today, mypureairconsultants.com. That's mypureairconsultants.com. Ream, a new degree of comfort. All right, let's go back to the phone. We got Steve Robertson on the phone. He's got a brand new book out now, When the Bottom Falls. About battling, uh, about his battle with drugs and alcohol and getting sober and all that fun stuff. And uh, it's available at whenthebottomfalls.com, as well as his other books, such as Alpha Dogs, Start Villains, Flim Flam, and Dogpile. Steve, I've, uh, this is the only one I don't have in my collection, by the way, and I'm, uh, I'm going to place the order today for it. So, really looking forward to getting into this one. Hey there. You know, I appreciate oh, yeah. it. I, I tell you, Clay, the thing that, um, you know, you, you never know what to expect, right? I mean, you know, I've been working in the sports genre now since 1997. And, you know, this is, I wrote a book of poetry, too, that was just, it was really just a chance for me to kind of get some, some things out there and try to remain relevant a little bit. But um, this is a book that I had to write. 
And uh, there's a lot of books about addiction that are written from a clinical point of view, but not a lot out there from an addict that's been in long-term recovery. And and, uh, it's not about marketing. You know, it's about helping people. And um, when I got ready to write this, my agent said, well, what would you consider this to be a success? I said, if one person reads this and decides, you know what, I'm going to stop drinking or I'm going to stop doing drugs, that's success. If just one person reads that and says, you know what, if Steve can do this, I can too, because they can't. I mean, I'm not, I'm not, you know, special in that regard. There's a lot of people out there working really good programs of recovery, but it's about giving people hope. And, and I was very transparent. There's some things that um, my family didn't know about that I wrote in this book. And, uh, you know, shame on me for that, I guess. But, uh, you know, I got a couple text messages from my mom, you know, as she's reading through this. And, of course, she knows the person I am today. But, you know, I, I didn't write the book for her. You know, and I didn't write the book really for me. I wrote the book for the still suffering addict and the people that love them. And what what do I gain by writing some vanity project that I only talk about all the great things I've done in life? I mean, in order to really appreciate the top of the mountain, you got to talk about the valley, and that was really a big part of that for me. Uh, no, no doubt about it. Sometimes it's also easier to bear the naked truth with a complete stranger being the readers of the book than it is with the people closest to you. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I think that's one of the reasons that meetings work, right? <laughs> because yeah. there's a, you know, sometimes there's comfort in strangers. Because, you know, listen, I've met some people that have done some of the most outlandish things and, and that I've ever heard. I, I got secrets that other people have told me I'll take them at grave, man. And, and it's just one of those things that, you know, all of a sudden, if people are, are capable and willing to be honest, and that was the hard part for me in the beginning, it's like I was so worried about being judged, you know, and, and, uh, all of a sudden, I got a, a guy gets up there and talks about when he was drunk one day, like he was drinking in the middle of the day and, and lost control of his car and slid into a school bus full of kids, you know, and thankfully everybody was okay. But it's like you start hearing these things and you're like, well, man, if this guy can get up here and admit that, what, what's holding me back, you know? And and that's the big part of it. If we talk about rigorous honesty, and I had a conversation with somebody just yesterday that's going to be, uh, you know, attending uh, a recovery program and going into an inpatient facility here soon. And, and, and I tell you, wanted some advice. I said, the number one thing I can tell you is be honest with those people. Like you've never been honest with anybody. Don't hold anything back. Go get all that trash out of your system uh, because there's just something about acknowledging your BS that makes it a lot easier to deal with. Because there's so many things we keep in our heads. And we think, Oh, they'll never forgive me. They'll never understand that's not true because you'll find out that there are a lot of people doing a lot of worse things than you have, but you're letting your own nonsense kind of hold you back. And so I'm, I'm a big proponent for honesty, and I think everybody deserves credit for what they've done they haven't done. And, you know, one of the, the probably the, the biggest adages from recovery that I live by is, you know, you're only as sick as your secret, so I don't try to keep any. Man, what, what, a, what a great way to look at that. Steve, um, I'd asked you before we went to the break, kind of just I like people to hear other people's rock bottom. Like what was the moment where they said, this is it. I can't keep doing it. Cause I think everybody's is different and there's going to be somebody riding down the road this morning who hears yours and says, that's where I'm at. That's my rock bottom too. And maybe it can help save somebody. So uh, I'm going to give you the floor here. If you would uh, tell us what your rock bottom was. Well, the first thing I'll tell you is I, I don't really believe in rock bottom because oh. things can always get worse. And that's really, when you when you read the book, I mean, there's even one point in the book I say, 
as a reader, you're probably reading this and think, okay, well, this is when he turns it around, and, and you're wrong. Because I was one of those people, and that's where the when the bottom falls matches perfectly with my life, is every time that I would hit, and people would like, oh, well, this is it, man. No, nah, I just kept digging. I just grabbed the shovel, and I kept digging and digging and digging. And uh, eventually what happened to me is I got arrested. And, uh, you know, I was, I was a musician at the time, and, uh, you know, working just kind of odd jobs to pay the rent, hoping things were about to take off, you know. And um, we had some, some things going on, and uh, I needed to get some quick money really fast to kind of get the band going, and I made some real mistakes. And I got arrested for, uh, you know, four counts of commercial burglary. And uh, I was so far from where I needed to be that any step I took was in the right direction, you know. And... And uh, I'm in the Lamar County Jail, and all of a sudden, you know, this my best thinking got me here. And uh, it's so funny. In the beginning, I didn't equate all that with drugs and alcohol. You know, I thought I was just, you know, making bad decisions. I didn't understand that my whole way of thinking had been tamed by the chemicals I was putting in my body. And my grandmother is the only person that I could get on the phone that was willing to cry. Like everybody else, it just wouldn't talk to me, wouldn't take my calls. And uh, I needed that to recover. You know, I didn't need anybody to just talk, oh, it's all going to be okay. And so my grandmother came to bail me out. And uh, Judge Michael Eubanks, who was, uh, you know, I guess the district court judge down for Mary and Lamar counties, uh, he made her contract. She had a written contract. And he made that conditions of my release. Like I had to agree to her contract. And the very first thing on her list is I will get help for my alcoholism. And um, they didn't know the depths of my use at the time, but I was so relieved to see that because I was like, well, I don't have to tell them. You know, they already know. And uh, my grandmother loved me enough and kind of made the arrangements, and thankfully we had good health insurance. My parents did, and and um, I went over to Pine Grove Recovery in, in Hattiesburg, Mississippi, and I walked in there really just trying to impress a judge. I had no designs or plans to get sober. I just wanted to get through the moment, right? And I don't know, I guess I'd been there a couple of weeks, just kind of flying out of the radar. And then one day they put me on the hot seat in group one day, and I began to realize that uh, maybe there was some truth in all this, that maybe I was a drug addict and an alcoholic. And that was a difficult thing for me to admit, you know, because I was so young. And I thought, well, I still got a few good years of partying left, and, you know, I'll get the band going, and we'll go out and do this. But all that stuff, I, I just, I'll tell you this, if I had just been able to focus on you know, the music and putting on a good show, we may have had a chance to do something. But the difference was I never knew where the line was. Like, we could play Kathmandu's or whatever, and, uh, you know, I mean, it, it was a target-rich environment, right? And so everything else that went along with music became a bigger deal than even, you know, performing music. And, and um, Well, that was my same problem with owning nightclubs. I was the band together, and I was all excited about that, and I just thought, man, I can't go back into that element. I just can't do it. And, and um, But the reality of it is is that at the end of the day, it took an arrest and took me going to drug rehab. And, and along the way, I kind of figured out that I was a lot more like those people than I was different. You know, Steve, you talk about you know getting the environment like it was. It became about everything but the music or about the 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 band. You know, I had the night. I was in the nightclub business for fifteen years or so, and I just got to where I couldn't separate the party from the job, and I had to get out of it for for a while. I'm still out of it, and people ask me all the time. Anytime a bar comes up available, man, you're gonna get back in it. You're gonna get back in it, and bro, I just know me. You know, I'm just like man, I I can't. As much as I love stuff like that. I know my triggers, you know, for, 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 for excess, 
and being around that three nights a week, four nights a week is my trigger for excess, not success. Oh, I don't think there's any question. And, you know, I, I, I tell people all the time, you know, it's like I, I meet people that say, well, you know, I, I, I can still do this and still do that, but I, but I don't use these drugs or whatever. Yeah, well, you know, I'm a proponent of complete abstinence, you know, but I'm not going to tell anybody how to live their lives. You know, there, there are a lot of people out there that they think that hey, they can manage that. And, you know, I, I would suggest maybe they're not a drug addict. I know this. I know there anything that I can get my hands on um, I used. And uh, I was really addicted to everything that made me feel better about being me. You know, it didn't matter if it was drugs or alcohol or some cute girl that went to Bellhaven. You know, it was just, it was about anything that I could get my hands on or I could experience. It just made life a little more enjoyable for me. And in time, you know, my remedy became my poison because, you know, you, you start pushing it. You know what I mean? It's like you don't know where the line is. And you don't you don't have boundaries. And um that's the thing today. I live a life less fragile because I have some boundaries of things that I just won't do. You know, and it, when I was a young guy running around in drug circles and playing music and carrying guns, all that kind of stuff, there was no limit uh, to what I would do. And I, I didn't know where the line was. And when I did see a line established, I didn't care, you know, because I had this sense of self-entitlement. And I thought, you know what, if this will make me feel better about me, then I'm going to go do that. And nowadays, I'm a much happier person because I do have some boundaries in life and I have a moral code that I live by. And, you know, these are things that are beneath my character and I don't partake in those things, but it's taken a long time to get there, you know, because it, and nowadays everybody talks about, oh, uh, you know, well, so-and-so is a real one. Well, I was a real one, right? I mean, I was, I was the guy, there was nothing beneath me. You know, there was nothing that I wouldn't do. And at the end of the day, what I found out is, quote, being a real one really just made me fake because there was nothing authentic about me at all. There was nothing about me that I was proud of, other than the fact that I just didn't care, you know, and that's nothing to be proud of. And so nowadays, you know, you look at what I've accomplished, and and uh, that's not to put a you know a pretty bow on top of things, but uh, I lived a very riotous life that caused a lot of people that loved me a tremendous amount of heartbreak. But I'm happy to say now, you know, through you know the, the joy of recovery, I've made those same people awfully proud. Steve, that's the best answer I've ever gotten when I've asked somebody the question about rock bottom, and I, I it was actually staring me right in the face with the title of the book, and I and I just set myself up for that. When when the when rock when the bottom falls it is is the answer to the rock bottom question because it can always get worse. That was a phenomenal answer there, and I'm really glad I asked that question, Steve. I'm gonna take a break real quick. Come back. Uh, you got time to do one more segment? Sure. All right, we got Steve Robertson. Uh, discussing his new book and more, WhenTheBottomFalls.com. You can purchase his book and his other writings as well, but we're promoting When the Bottom Falls today. So check that book out. We'll be right back with Steve Robertson. Welcome back into the Clay Edwards Show. Hey, guys, get out to Acme Pizza and Daiquiri's tonight or have it delivered or carry it out. It's Monday Night Football Monday night wrestling, whatever you do on your Monday nights, do it with Acme Pizza and Daiquiri's. The Daiquiri's are to go, the pizza's to go. Man, they're way more than just pizza. They got pasta. Got the best meatballs in town, according to Chip. They got the dynamite balls. I saw one of the best reviews I've ever seen for them the other night, and they mentioned the dynamite balls. Fresh smoked, pulled pork, wrapped around cream cheese, deep fried, drizzled with a little barbecue sauce, you can't go wrong with the one of the best appetizers in town. It's called Dynamite Balls. Try them. Thank me later. You won't regret it. But uh, also the Wheel of Flavor Pizza. 
They have 12 different specialty pizzas. You can put up to three specialty pizzas on one pie. Every pizza they sell is large. So, because they know you're going to want more than a small. You're going to want more than a medium. Acme Pizza and Daiquiri's always recommend the pig, pig, pig. They don't throw frozen ham or frozen bacon on here that's already been cooked. They cook it from raw onto the pizza when it goes into the oven so you're not burning it. And that bacon fat and that ham fat drizzles down into the cheese. Mm-mm-mm. I wouldn't mind having some for breakfast right now. But you can, they're located right there at Fan and Mart on the res, 4 p.m. to midnight daily. You get get hungry late, Acme's got you taken care of. Stay out of those fast food drive throughs Acme, pizza, and daiquiris. All right, let's go back to Steve Robertson here on the line. Steve, thank you for taking time to hang out with us this morning, brother. Oh, happy to do it, man. Happy to be with you. Look, I, I want to shift gears a little bit here. Y'all be sure to check out Steve's book, When the Bottom Falls. You can order it online. Same thing, When the Bottom falls.com if uh, no matter where you're at in your sh- uh, short or long-term sobriety or if you're at your rock bottom uh, it's, maybe this is a great book that you can find some inspiration in and uh like i said steve is approaching uh, just a, a week or just a couple of days shy of 32 straight years right yeah if I, if I make it to december 10th uh i'll be 32 years and there's a good chance that i will so oh, come on down young son all right steve a big event happened over the weekend, uh, and I'm glad I got you on the phone because you're the one person in the world that I'd really want to talk to about this. Kiss played their last concert. Do you think? Well, it, do you well, think it was their last concert? No, you know, if there's ever been anybody that knows how to make money and milk things uh, better than Gene Simmons, I don't know who it is. You know, they they will put their logo on anything and. They're doing this virtual hologram thing. They're going, we're going to do shows in the future, but gonna, nobody's going to go to that stuff. I mean, only the, you know the really, really insane Kiss Army members will do that. But uh, no, I think we'll find out that they may do like a Vegas residency or things like that. They'll 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 be something. I can't believe they're done. But the one thing that I will say, the thing that I've always objected to, and I've met Ace Frehley, and when I listen, Ace got me into metal. As a kid growing up in the seventies in South Mississippi, you know, and of course we had, uh, you know, we had to burn those records, you know, man, in South Mississippi, you know, it's what it was. And Nights to me, and I was like, oh, they don't want me to have it. I want it even more, you know. But uh, I had a chance to meet Ace out of Oklahoma a few years ago, just walking around a casino floor, and I had a chance to go see him play uh, in Tupelo with Alice Cooper, and um, he gave me the pick after he played the Shock Me solo. And uh, you know, it's been a long time since I became a Kiss fan, but um, that was a special moment for me. You know, it just really was. It was even bigger than just meeting Ace and having a chance to talk to him. Just him handing me that guitar pick uh, with his, you know, face from the solo album on it. It's phenomenal. But, uh, yeah, Kiss got most of us into heavy metal. And, um, you know, but they Kiss hadn't had a hit, man, in forever. You know, but it's like they still sell out arenas all over the country. And it's, and it's not just because of the urgency of, I may never get to see him again. There's just a kinship with this band that, few musical artists truly have and uh i think that's an amazing thing but man these guys are getting so old and um you know it's just they need a bit of a break but i don't think it's the last show i think they'll they'll show up out of the blue on halloween or something and play a show in vegas yeah like I, that. I don't see them passing up the opportunity to do a couple shows there at the spear with the production and and all of that good stuff i think that's gonna be very enticing after a couple years off recharging the batteries and deciding they want to go do a you know a little short run in Vegas, I'd be shocked if that didn't happen. 
Well, if you're willing to write the check, I mean, Gene and those guys are going to show up, right? I mean, you know, when that's, you know, but I, I'm with you. I think that's something they've never experienced before. And it might be something that we should invest in, right? Like if they decide they're going to play at that, that new venue, that's so incredible. One of my friends went out there and saw you two play. And I'm like, dude, I've got to go see that. What could be better than the visual performance of Kiss in oh, that venue? I don't, I don't know. I'm with you. I think give them a couple of years and maybe they'll have the farewell show part 50 or whatever, and uh, we can all ride out to Vegas and go check it out. Well, man, you know, like me and you are both Motley Crue fans, and one of the things that really grinds my gears is when people bag on these bands for coming out and still playing or uh, getting back together or, or whatever the case may be, extending farewell tours. I'm like, man, if they can die on stage for all I care, if there's people willing to see whatever version of the band is floating out there and they're legally using the name and somebody wants to buy tickets, man, let them rock till they die. I, I get so tired of people's making fun of Kiss fans or 80s rock fans or any any band's fans because their band has gotten old or can't quite hit the notes they used to hit. It ain't about that. It's about the kinship and the party and the good time and the relationships you built with other fans throughout the years and the the, the memories the music makes. Well, and, and there's nothing like hearing the original artists perform their signature songs live. I mean, I, I met Dan Doc, Don Dockin back in Biloxi. Uh, back before the world went crazy and Lynch Mob opened a channel. I've met George Lynch before, but, and, uh, Don and I talked about it. He goes, Hey, man, I hope it was okay. And I said, Don, it was great. And he goes, Well, you know, I can't hit that big note on a loan again anymore. And I was like, Don, I don't even care. Just the fact that I get to hear you sing these songs matter. But back to the Motley stuff, I mean, I don't know many people that love Motley more than me. I got a Motley crew leg sleeve, you know, but, but I'll tell you what aggravates me about that is if you're off the bandwagon, then that's fine. But you don't get to keep lobbing shells of the people of us that, that are still on the bandwagon. Motley's got new material coming out. I cannot wait Me to either. hear what John 5 is going to sound like with Motley. And people are like, oh, they should <laughs> give it up. You're free to give it up whenever you want to. But I think it's ridiculous to get on social media and bag these bands. You know what, what it would mean? Like, Think about this. If, if we found out that we could have gone to see Van Halen one more time with Eddie and Dave, wouldn't you have taken that trip? Of course you would have. Or if we could go back and see Jimi Hendrix or Stevie Ray Vaughan, you know, there are so many legendary performers that are gone that we will never have the chance to see play live again. So why bag on the people that still want to go see Motley and Kiss? And I'll tell you this, I, I went to 13 shows with my oldest son here a few years ago, and I asked him at the end of the year, I said, what was your favorite show? He said, Whitesnake. Because those guys are real rock stars. And there's so many people today, and I hate to sound like a music snob, but I'll wear it. There's so many people, it's like, you know, when I go to a show, I want to be entertained, right? I mean, I, I'm spending you know, 20, 40, 50, 100 bucks to go see a show. And there's so many people, it's like, oh, well, they're not nearly as good as this guy that looked like he worked a double shift at Subway and he walked on stage staring at his shoes. I'm not interested in that. I want to see a show, and I want to see theatrics. And uh, I think the music is, is enhanced. There's so many people today that, you know, get all hemmed up and that sort of stuff. But, uh, you know, love what you love, but don't hate what other people love just for the sake of hating. Yeah, you know, you never hear people have these conversations about the Rolling Stones out there with two original members. And I'm, I'm not hating on them. You know, we're, we're actually thinking about going to see them just because of that very thing you just said. It's kind of like bucket list. They're coming to New Orleans. Do I want to miss what could legitimately be my last chance to see the Rolling Stones, just to say I did. Uh, we went and saw Willie Nelson right, what, around his 90th birthday. He was in Brandon a, a month or so ago. Now, can Willie 
sing it like he used to sing it? No, but he wasn't trying to, which made it one of the best, most authentic shows I've ever been to. I was I was just going because a bunch of people were going to be there, and it was going to be the weather was nice. I did not plan to cry three times during one of Willie Nelson's last performances ever. Uh, it was just that kind of event, that kind of emotion, and I plan. I use that experience moving forward. I don't care how old somebody is. If if they can still come out and do the show, and it's something I like, I'm going. Oh, I feel the same way. You know, listen, my whole attitude about that is this: you know, music is the soundtrack of life, man. And there are so many of those songs over the years that they fit a time frame in your life. And and there's some songs that mean a lot to me that don't mean anything to anybody else. And there are things that we own in that respect. And uh, you know, I try to be sensitive to that. I mean, of course, I could talk about Nirvana and Green Day about what corporate rock creations they were for for hours, but. Uh, but my thing is this, whatever moves you or inspires you or makes you feel whole, listen to it. Doesn't matter if it's rap or bluegrass or country or sky music or dance music or whatever. Whatever makes your life better, listen to it because you ain't hurting anybody. All right, Steve, thank you so much for taking the time this morning. His new book, When the Bottom Falls, is available at whenthebottomfalls.com. Steve, one day we may actually talk sports, but until that day, farewell, my brother. Looking forward to talking to you again soon. See you soon, Clay. All right, peace out. Steve Robertson with 247 Sports and Mississippi author. Like I said, new book, When the Bottom Falls, available there on his website, as well as his other books, whenthebottomfalls.com. I'll be right back to land the plane for the day. Welcome back into the Clay Edwards Show. Guys, man, I enjoyed that. I think today was a fun show. Hour one, we hit a bunch of different topics hour two we had steve robertson always love getting to chop it up with steve i wanted to get with him on his thoughts on the college football playoffs uh, congratulations to uh, old miss on getting to go to the peach bowl there were some rumors they may not get to go to a bowl quite that well i think they were kind of being pointed towards the citrus so congratulations to them great matchup against penn state looking forward to that Looks like FSU kind of got the short end of the stick, but that's life in the big city. You play in the ACC. It had a down year. If we were talking about basketball, y'all would have gotten the pick. But we're talking about football. And that's what we do here in the SEC is football. So congratulations to all the teams. And I, I love it. I love that Michigan is number one after all the nonsense they faced this year. I stand with Jim Harbaugh. That was cancel culture going after Jim Harbaugh. Now they get to play Nick Saban, and we're going to find out. We're going to find out if, if is Michigan for real or is Saban going to teach them a lesson. I'm looking forward to it. A lot of great matchups. I'm actually excited about football again. It's been a while. Shout out to my Dallas Cowboys. It was fun. That game last night was fun, that 49ers-Eagles game. I mean, it wasn't close necessarily, but it was a slobber knocker. All right, Allison Noe up next. I'll be back here tomorrow, 7 a.m. to 9 a.m., clayedwardshow.com. I hope you enjoyed this clip of today's Clay Edwards show. You can tune in live every Monday through Friday, 7 to 9 a.m. on 103.9 FM, WYAB in Central Mississippi. You can stream it worldwide and live at WYAB.com, the TuneIn app, or Alexa. Just search WYAB. And, of course, you're listening now on a podcast, so you can just hit subscribe where you're at. We update daily right here on the Clay Edwards Show, and check out all things Clay Edwards at clayedwardsshow.com for shirts and more. Peace.